Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm your host, Kane Pittman, here joined shortly by Frank Madden. He's going to jump on and we are going to talk all things Bucks Nets. The Milwaukee pickup, another big win there. It was an exciting game. It's been a fun couple of days if you are a Bucks fan. But before I bring him in, I will uh, let you guys know that today's episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra at only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. Stay tuned for the Ultra Player of the Week coming up later in the episode you're going to be shocked by who wins that award but before i bring in frank i wanted to just say quickly uh, the word got out today before the bucks game that jim paschke is hanging up the mic after this season after 35 uh, incredible years as the voice of the bucks and I already had, and I'm not surprised by this at all, I already had a number of Bucks fans hit me up on Twitter and say, you've got to get Jim back on the podcast, and we will definitely do that. Uh, clearly, obviously, it's a pretty busy time uh, at the moment, and he's going to be caught up you know, on this uh, road to the postseason then, and hopefully a long playoff run. But we'll definitely catch up with Jim again. Uh, if you did miss the original podcast that we had with Jim, it's, it was probably a year ago now. It was when the NBA was suspended. Uh, I spent a good 30, 40 minutes chatting with Jim about his career, some great memories that he's had with the Bucks over the years. So if you missed that, you'll have to go back a fair way, but you'll be able to find that. And maybe I'll actually bump that one on Twitter as well because it's always good to talk about Jim. And I just wanted to say quickly, and I think there's going to be so many people that have similar experiences with Jim or similar meetings with Jim, but the first time I met him, and I'm certain that he would absolutely not remember this because he would do this all the time, but I was... In Milwaukee, and this was prior to my days of doing any media stuff, so purely a fan, um, just spending some time in the city, and the Bucks played the Nuggets on a, on a weekend, on a road game, so I thought, I'm going to go for a trip to Denver. I'm going to go catch the Bucks play. So I, I flew out to Denver, uh, fortunate enough to have some really good seats. So I'm walking around um, the court sort of before the game started, and I saw Jim and Marcus over there, and Marcus he had his head buried in the notes. He was prepping for the game, and Jim, I, I think, was just drinking a coffee. So I said, I'm just going to go and say hello. And, uh, you know, at the time, this was a huge thrill for me. Obviously, I've been watching the Bucks for 15, 16 years back then. And, and Jim's obviously been such a huge part of that. So to go over and speak to him and, and, of course, as polite as ever, he gave me five minutes. We spoke about basketball. We spoke about, you know, Australia, all types of different things. Uh, he was just so nice to me. And, and that was the first time I met him. And then I've been fortunate enough a few years later to, to sort of get to know Jim a little bit more as a, as a colleague, but also you know, as someone who uh, was always or has always been so generous and, and friendly to me. And when I left Milwaukee back in 2019, um, the first time, and I, obviously I came back, but I was heading home for, I, I didn't know how long, I didn't know when I was going to come back. It was all up in the air. And, and my, one of my great friends, Eric Name, organized, uh, let's go to the pub. Let's have a few beers before you head back to Australia. So we did that. And I thought it was just going to be Eric and uh, a couple of my other friends that I'd made along the way. But I walked down to the bar, Broken Brat, brewing uh, which when i'm in milwaukee you can find me there pretty regularly 
And I walk downstairs and the first person I see is Jim with his trademark, huge smile. He was sitting down there and uh, he took the time out of his day to come and, and wish me well on my travels. And again, we spent another 10, 15 minutes together just talking about basketball and life and all those types of things. And it was remarkable because I know Jim was traveling on that day. So he really didn't have time to do that. But that's just the type of person he is. And uh, I'll always remember the fact that he came to that. Always be very thankful for that. So Jim Paschke, uh, not only a, a legendary voice and a legendary uh, announcer, but a legendary bloke, as I would uh, call him. So, uh, you know, honestly, a little bit sad to see that video today. But uh, like he said, he didn't intend on working for every day of his whole entire life. It's been a hell of a ride so far. And like I tweeted out, hopefully the Bucks can get this guy a ring as he wraps up his last season. Uh, I, I, like I said, I can't wait to catch up with him again, but I, I really wanted to shout him out. I, I could go on forever talking about Jim and the memories that he's created for me as a basketball fan and the viewing experience simply won't be the same without him. So again, to Jim Paschke, uh, incredible career. And uh, I, I'm really, really looking forward to uh, making the most of hearing him on the call on the run home. Joining me now is the founder of brewhoop.com and longtime voice of the podcast, Frank Madden, to talk about another pretty damn entertaining game. If you're a Milwaukee Bucks fan, they beat the Brooklyn Nets for the second time in three nights, 124 to 118. And Frank, I don't know where you want to start, but the one thing, and this is just a, not a very in-depth observation of mine from this game, but I would like to see the scoring worm of this game because I, the scoring, I don't know if that's what they call it in the US, the scoring worm. But anyway, I, this game really They definitely followed. do not. I, don't, I have no idea what you just said, but whatever you said is not what we call it. But keep going, keep going. Scoring well, worm, sure. We'll yeah, figure that, that out some other day. That little line that uh, follows the, the path and who's winning and who's losing. I think it would have been very uh, similar in this game. Uh, and the reason I say that the Nets had an early lead, the Bucks fought back, led for most of the game, and then they fought, fell behind by six points again early yeah. in the fourth quarter. And this wasn't the same. It wasn't the same method. It wasn't the same way that the Bucks were able to regain the lead. Uh, but this is pretty significant for the Bucks. We've spoke about this. They had some struggles in April, but this is a pretty strong way to start May with two really nice closeouts against obviously a very good team. Yeah, I think the stat, and John Schumann was the first person to bring attention to this, but I think they are now something like 38 and 39, 38 or 39 and five, I believe, when they have a five plus point lead in the fourth quarter of games. And all five of those losses came in April, <laughs> which probably surprises a lot of people, not because, well, it doesn't surprise you that they blew a lot of leads in April because I think we, <laughs> we all felt that very much. So I think two of those losses. Uh, came without Giannis, so you know, little, whatever, you know, a little, little bit of an asterisk, maybe. But, uh, but interestingly, you know, to to now kind of go the other direction here and go down by six points early in the fourth quarter and, and feel like, oh man, you know, like is is the momentum abandoning you? Um, what do the Bucks have here to fight back? Last game, um, you know, we saw them respond. Chris Middleton scored six quick points. Uh, and they got still got a lot of uh, help from Giannis in that fourth quarter. And um, tonight, <laughs> Giannis completely ran out of gas in the fourth quarter. Um, one for nine, I think three turnovers in the fourth quarter. I mean, um, he was jacking up a lot of jumpers, which I don't know that he shoots those if the Bucks are 
still trailing rather than it felt like he was kind of looking for kill shots mm-hmm. <laughs> a, little, a little bit there. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, Giannis still goes for 36, but certainly Drew was much better today, 23 points on much more efficient scoring, almost a triple double for him. I thought he went at Kyrie um, and exploited Kyrie's defensive challenges, let's say uh, well. And then Middleton, who was, you know, was scoreless in the first quarter compared to last game where he was on fire to start. Uh, he goes scoreless in the first quarter, I think about like five or seven points at halftime. I think he only had 10 going into the fourth quarter. And you're like, uh, Chris, a little bit, a little bit of help would be nice. And um, sure enough, he, he breaks out with 13 points in that fourth quarter. But I, I thought, and I think you pointed it out um, in the little quick recap you did uh, that you posted on Twitter, but the interesting thing was he really got going basically just attacking Kevin Durant off the dribble, which yeah. is not what you expect Chris Middleton, sort of Chris Middleton to get himself going. You think of him, you know, really shooting himself back into rhythm. But um, yeah, I mean, he really got going, finishing around the basket. And um, obviously that's great to see because, um, you know, you're going to have to get, 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 get it done in different ways. And for him to score 13 points, I think he was six out of six from the field. Uh, he shoots 50% from the night when I don't think any of us expected that after those first three quarters. So, um, you know, again, the Bucks big three really got it done for the most part. And similar to last game, Bryn Forbes, the only real presence off the bench. And then maybe the biggest difference um, is was Dante DiVincenzo, you know, from as I believe he scored zero points last game. Um, and this game still couldn't hit a three pointer, but 10 points on 10 shots and, 15 rebounds just basically deciding, okay, I, I can't shoot anymore. So I'm just basically going to, um, you know, use myself like a human cannonball and, uh, and just crash the boards, six offensive rebounds. Um, I thought his energy was infectious and, uh, yeah, I mean, an entertaining game. I think we got our money's worth for sure in these two contests. And, uh, again, uh, do the Bucks have a good chance to catch the the Nets? Uh, I, I'm still not convinced of that in terms of the standings. Um, either way, they they seem to be on a collision course in the second round, just maybe with a chance for the Bucks to steal home court, which would obviously be very advantageous. But um, certainly a very encouraging two games against the Nets. Uh, and all caveats aside about James Harden, you know, again, I, I thought they acquitted themselves well. And, you know, I think we talked about how a lot of the similarities were there. I thought it was interesting the things that the, the, the coaches did differently in this game, mm-hmm. kind of the experimentation that we saw, because I would have been a little bored. Well, not bored, but it would have been a little disappointing if, if they both sort of held back and didn't try anything different. Um, but we saw some differences in terms of matchups, in terms of some of the coverages, the way they were defending Giannis. And so I think that's all good and healthy and interesting, especially for people like us who are trying to digest kind of what these teams can do and what they might look like in the playoffs. And, I think it's probably also good for the coaches that, you know, they gave each other something to look at on film and potentially to, uh, to study up on, assuming that they, that they both make it to the second round for, for that matchup that we're all expecting. Michelob Ultra Player of the Week time now, and uh, we've been doing this for quite a while, so you know the deal. But with Michelob Ultra, remember, it's only worth it if you enjoy it with 2.6 carbs and 95 calories. Uh, joy creates success. Giannis has been playing with joy all year. He's also been having a lot of success and he had the most success he's had all season long from a scoring perspective against the Brooklyn Nets on the weekend with 49 points, a season high 49 points. So Giannis 
the Michelob Ultra player of the week again. He's going to have to build a new trophy cabinet in his house to fit in all these prestigious awards that he has won from Locked on Bucks. So uh, shout out to him for this one. Remember, enjoyment isn't the end game. It's the whole game. And watching the Bucks over these last few days has certainly been enjoyable. Are you happy because you win or do you win because you're happy? Giannis, very happy as he takes out the Michelob Ultra Player of the Week. So 66 field goal attempts across the two games for Giannis is obviously a a number that jumps out at you. The 36 shots in the first game was a career high. And as you mentioned, 11 for 30 tonight, the one number that will bring a tear to your eye, Frank, 10 for 12. And it was interesting uh, from the free throw line, that is. And it was interesting at the end. They were almost going hacky Giannis, seeing if uh, they could bring themselves back into the game. And I kind of liked it because I was like, all right, let's go. Let's put Giannis on the free throw line under a little bit of pressure here. And he missed one. And I was like, okay, let's see if he can hit these free throws. And yes, I wanted to win the game, but I also just think it's good to see how he handles those moments because we've seen his free throw shooting improve. But has he been in too many moments that really matter? No, not so much. So this was a good test for him. And he came through and knocked them down, which was pretty fun to see. But in terms of the way they defended him, I definitely thought in the second half, they showed him some more bodies. And it was interesting because he hit a few threes in the first quarter again. And DeAndre Jordan was doing the same thing, not really caring about Giannis out on the perimeter. And they really were just warm-up shots. He's like, all right, I'm just going to walk into these. He finishes four for 12 from three on the night. Uh, like you said, I, I got the sense that, and this is something we've seen before with Giannis, he he really does want to get the dagger from the three-point line. He wants to knock down that three-point dagger. He tried a couple of them in this one. They didn't go down. Uh, but overall, eight for 20 from three over the two games. It, it's a lot of threes, but the fact that he hit four in each game is obviously good. But they showed him more bodies in the second half. And Steve Nash was interviewed at quarter time. And I, I kind of feel like these coaches' interviews are pointless because they never really give you anything. Bud gives you absolute donuts when the broadcast interviews him at the end of the first quarter. But Steve <laughs> Nash said, uh, well, actually, Bud, you know, you could argue he gives you donuts in any situation. But, uh, but uh, Steve Nash said, yeah, well, we don't really want to overreact. And then in the second quarter, Giannis hits another three. He's hitting a few more jumpers. And it's like, okay, well, are they really just going to let him do this for the entirety of the game? And as you pointed to, uh, definitely uh, working in a little bit more traffic in the second half. And, you know, whether it was fatigue, whether it was the defensive stuff that he was seeing, it, his efficiency did drop off in the third and fourth quarter. Yeah, I mean, I think the defense worked in the sense that um, he didn't have many opportunities in a restricted area. I was trying to remember if he had any dunks in this game, I, I don't remember him having any dunks in this so, game, yeah. which, you know, is probably like the ultimate testament of, you know, a team playing pretty well defensively granted 10 out of 12 free throws, obviously, um, you know, some of those free throws might've otherwise been dunks, but you know, everybody would rather foul Giannis than, than, uh, than let him dunk. So uh, for them to, to do that level of job, I think, you know, is, is somewhat commendable. And I think he was, um, at one point, eight out of 13 from the field in this game. And for him to end up 11 out of 30 tells you he went three for 17 to end this game. I mean, I, I don't, I'd, I'd question, has Giannis ever had a three for 17 stretch in a game? I, I don't know that he's ever had that bad of a cold streak in a game. And so it's kind of crazy that it would come in a game where he ultimately scores 36 points on 30 shots. It's not like he was, you know, this wasn't like a, horrendous efficiency game for him but um yeah it was it was definitely a bit odd and um you know it 
it just there's just a lot of moments where it, it really just doesn't feel like the kind of offense the Bucks want to be running, where Giannis is just sort of like pounding the air out of the ball a bit. He's doing crossovers. He's you know probing. He's trying to figure out sort of like how he wants to attack. I do think the Nets did a better job. You know, like as you were alluding to, kind of zoning up on the strong side at times, kind of putting putting extra bodies near the nail. You know, at times, um, you know, Giannis found some passing angles in the second half. I think he had one assist in the first half. He had three in the in the second half to take advantage of that a little bit. And I think that's something we generally see, right? When teams try to double, try to send more bodies at Giannis, you know, he'll usually figure out how to take advantage of that and, and find other guys and, and set them up for easy layups. I thought, I think in this game, it felt like, I don't know if any of those, those assists, it felt like all those assists were like for layups. You know, normally you think of Giannis as like a kick out to, um, you know, kick out for a three point shot, but it felt like in this game, it was always like the double coming from, the dunker spot guy and Giannis was finding that dunker spot guy for layups. But, um, but yeah, I, I think, you know, Giannis is smart. If there was an easy way to stop him, teams would be doing that, doing that every game, but you know, there is no easy way to stop him. I think you, know, you could argue, okay, I'm sure Nets fans will say, well, Giannis hit, you know, four threes again. What are the odds? He gets four threes again. It's like, well, it's four out of 12. <laughs> He's a 31% shooter on the year from three. So four out of 12 is pretty much that it was pretty much an expected outcome in terms of his three point shooting. And then, he was two out of 10 on mid-rangers when I was looking at the shot chart. That's obviously, you know, it's not like he's a great mid-range shooter, but you expect him to hit at least one or two more from that range. Um, and obviously just the way they all sort of, when he kind of went cold over the, the course of, you know, basically the last 10, 15 minutes of the game was, was not something we, you would expect. And as you mentioned, maybe that's, you know, getting tired, whatever it might be. But, um, you know, I, I think the Nets can take some good things. I think they turned him into a jump shooter for much of the night. Um, he had some kind of sloppiness with the ball in that fourth quarter as well. Five turnovers after I think just a couple last game. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I think Brooklyn can probably feel like, okay, you know, we, we can do some more of that. And I think if you're the Bucks, you say, okay, you know, you guys can do some more of that and we'll continue to find out ways to kind of solve for that as well. Cause you know, again, I don't think you look at the, the Nets personnel, right? I mean, the Raptors, quote unquote, stopped Giannis two years ago because I think they had just phenomenal personnel and a really good scheme. You know, even if the Nets have a terrific scheme, I just don't think they have the personnel to, <laughs> to, to stop Giannis. And it's really just going to come down to, can Giannis, is Giannis just going to miss a bunch of makeable shots? Like, I mean, I think he airballed like two hook shots from like five feet away today, right? <laughs> you know, some, some shots today were, of course, mid-range jumpers he's not great at, but he also missed some shots. I was like, come on, man, you know, like you, you can hit that. So yeah, it's not the way the Bucs, I think, want to play, but I think getting some reps and seeing this defense um, twice now in, in 48 hours, um, I think it, you know, it, it lets them learn, see some things, and who knows, maybe the Nets do some even more different things the next time we see them. But, um, you know, all in all, we got two wins out of it, and uh, even though Giannis didn't finish maybe on a high note, um, yeah, I'll, I'll focus on the made free throws, Kane. Good point. Two, two big clutch free throws there to, to seal it at the end. That, that's, that's what I can focus on. Built Bar time, Frank. We know that Built Bar, I'm telling you, it is the best damn tasting protein bar that has ever been made. Uh, there is nine delicious flavors. I'm, I'm reading this, and they've been on rotation for a while, but let me read a few of them. We've got coconut, coconut almond, raspberry, mint brownie, peanut butter brownie, double chocolate, Salted caramel, among others. 
Uh, so there's there. Uh, there is something there for absolutely everyone. Uh, I've been saying it for a while. My favorite, I'm a coconut. So give me the coconut almond. I love it. It tastes delicious. You should definitely try it out. But if you want to try multiple, you can actually get a mixed box as well. So, uh, you know, you don't have to be tied to just trying one. You can try multiple, see which one is uh, your best. But uh, most of the flavors have 17 grams of protein, only 130 calories, four grams of sugar, and only four grams of net carbs. So they are healthy for you as well as, uh, as I've always been telling you. We've got a great offer for you. Just go to builtbar.com, use the promo code LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off your first order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar. Dot com And with all that money you're saving, I mean, I don't know why you wouldn't do this. Just jump across to betonline.ag, which is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Uh, this week has tons of sports on the go. Uh, the NFL draft is in the background now, uh, but that means you can probably find some futures in the NFL. Of course, MLB is rolling, NBA heading towards the postseason, UFC, MMA, they've got it all. So before the next pitch, head over to BetOnline on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with the promo code Locked On. That's BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Well, one of the other takeaways across the course of the regular season and really these three matchups, the first time they played, you got 90 points uh, thereabouts from the big three. The other day you had 90 plus and tonight you get 82. So again, it happened in different ways tonight. I personally love the fact that in the first half, Drew was scoring. The second half, he's facilitating a bit more. You can make the case that maybe he could have been more aggressive as a scorer, but in the fourth quarter, despite having a slow night, Middleton stepped it up as you pointed to and in, and in different ways. So again, I just think you feel good about this team's ability to score against the Nets, but clearly defensively they are scary. You said they tried some different things as well, starting with Giannis being really aggressive up in the face of Kevin Durant to start this game. Then we saw plenty of PJ Tucker. We saw some Chris Middleton as well. I think, again, one of the things that we've learned over these two games is that you know, Kevin Durant, unless you can deny him getting the ball, then he's going to be able to do really whatever the hell he wants. He's an extraordinary player. And again, like the other night, 11 for 22, he had 32 points. He was damaging at times, four for eight from three, so pretty efficient across the board, and you would still almost take it because uh, he is a guy that is going to be able to get an easy 30 points basically on any given night, and, and he missed those two threes at the end, and uh, I was stunned, particularly the wide-open one. He is a, a scary player, and they also got 38 out of Kyrie Irving, and, and I don't think this was a bad defensive night from the Bucks. But this is the challenge. You, we've seen it now three times. You're going to have to score 120 points uh, to beat this team. And, and that's without adding potentially James Harden to this lineup. So it's, uh, it is one hell of a challenge. Yeah, I think I'm glad you brought up Giannis defending KD. I mean, I, I don't know if you remember a couple of years ago when KD was with Golden State, like Giannis had to defend him. I, I don't know. I wouldn't say that it was like a lot, but... I just remember there was one possession on the right wing where Katie just like totally <laughs> yanked him yeah. and, you know, Giannis was just completely juked. And there were a couple of moments, not, not that pronounced, but you know, there were a couple of moments where, where Katie put Giannis on his heels. And I think it's right. It, it, it looked like 
PJ Tucker had schooled Giannis in sort of the art of just being really handsy off the ball and being really annoying uh, to try to make it hard for KD to get the ball in the spots he wanted. Um, I thought that was generally a theme as the night went on and really over the course of two games, uh, the Bucks generally did a pretty good job of, of being physical and making Durant uncomfortable. Um, you know, making generally the Nets in general kind of get a little frustrated. <laughs> there was something of like the Bobby Portis, Blake Griffin, a uh, little back and forth there, uh, I think was at the end of the third quarter, um, which was interesting and Blake eventually getting a tech over it. Um, but yeah, it's interesting. I, I, I think it's important that Bud just tried to put Giannis on KD just to sort of see what that dynamic was like because you really don't need to do that right now, given that you have Middleton among the starters who can guard KD, and you know you have PJ Tucker sort of as like an option, an additional option in a closing lineup, and you know Drew obviously can get switched on him and can at least hold his own against him. It's not like you have to put Giannis in there to try to stop him one on one, but you know I mean you're going to want to you, you may have to do some different things, especially when Harden is back, right? Um, you know once Harden is back. We have Harden and KD, or sorry, Harden and Kyrie. You know, Drew can only defend one of those guys. So it's going to be an interesting question. I mean, do you put Drew on Kyrie? Do you put Drew on Harden? And, you know, because Harden's more of the point guard, and you hope that, you know, whoever you put on Kyrie is just, you know, like doesn't get exposed as much. Um, or do you put Chris Middleton on Harden just because, you know, they're, Chris is bigger and obviously Harden is bigger as well. I don't know. It's a tough question, but whatever you do, um, it may mean more exposure for Giannis against KD. And I, yeah, I mean, look, I think I definitely prefer Middleton on, on KD. I think Chris mm-hmm. just moves laterally on the perimeter. He's just more, he's just much more used to doing that. He's much more used to going over screens. If he has to do that, I mean, Giannis, anytime Giannis goes over screen, it's just a fail basically like, the, you know, it's like just switch, right? Like, unfortunately with if, if Brooks in the game, you can't, or you don't want to necessarily switch every pick and roll involving Giannis when he's guarding the ball handler. But um, I thought it was important that Giannis at least get some reps there. I was not encouraged by it. I don't think he looks good in those situations. And obviously he had some early foul trouble in this game as well. And that, that obviously guarding KD, you're only going to increase the likelihood that you maybe pick up some fouls. So um, I, w- I would say I don't think the Giannis KD matchup is really one that either side probably is going to look forward to. Um, you know, KD did have one good moment defensively against Giannis in the post where he slid over and, and took a charge, which is probably the best thing KD can do um, defensively in that situation. Um, but I probably would say KD probably doesn't want to be throwing his body around like that uh, with too much regularity. So an interesting, again, interesting one to file away. I, I don't, think that's necessarily the way the Bucks are going to want to play. Um, but uh, I thought it was funny too. You know, we talk about that early fourth quarter when the Bucks go down. Um, you know, Mike James, who recently signed by the Nets. Um, I swear to God, we were joking in the DMs with, with our friend Eric Name. I, was, I, I made the point, it's, it seemed like the Bucks were never more like over-rotated and on their heels than when Mike James was like attacking closeouts or driving. Um, and and that's somewhat of an indictment of Kyrie and KD and sort of the fact that they really don't, they really don't drive to create shots and create gravity to, to set up teammates. Um, I think that's the real dynamic that Harden brings to them, which is scary. Like, but KD and Kyrie are more or less just, you know, they're more or less playing for their own shots, (laughs) but Mike James somehow just 
seemed to get the Bucks jumping and rotating and um, creating ball movement, especially when when those guys weren't in the game. And um, you know, uh, there was one example. I think I think James was being guarded by maybe Dante, and he drove and got by Dante. And Brooke is like waiting in the paint, and Giannis, of course, has to can't help himself. He can't just say, "Hey, Brooke, deal with Mike James." He has to like cheat over. And by doing so, sets up a wide open Jeff Green three, which of course you know, wide open Jeff Green three is is a, is a made Jeff Green three by the uh, the Jay Crowder Coral area, I guess, right? Whoever, whichever mediocre shooting sort of hybrid forward that Giannis leaves open for three is automatically going to become, you know, everybody's going to become Joe Harris in those situations. It seems like, um, and it happened again there. But uh, yeah, uh, I, I was shocked that Mike James. I think Mike James had like ten points and like under 10 minutes, but he was still a minus eight, even though he was the guy that helped them get that six point lead, I think early in the fourth quarter. So just goes to show how quickly the Bucks flipped the switch and, and really answered that run by, by the Nets uh, very early in the fourth quarter. And, um, you know, again, going back to the point earlier about some of the problems the Bucks have had, you know, finishing, closing games out, protecting leads in the fourth quarter. Um, you know, I think that, that hopefully, and again, I, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that the, the Bucks, you know, put together works of art in the fourth quarter in either of these two games. Um, I think there were some really encouraging things, especially with like Middleton's aggression and going to the basket. Um, Giannis today certainly was not part of part of that. I think but probably other than Giannis, they looked really good in the fourth quarter today. Um, but, uh, you know, I think just in some ways, just like psychologically being able to kind of hold your own and, and not panic and close the game close a game like this out and I think is, is probably not a, at least not a bad thing. And, you know, again, I, I don't look at these games as indicative that, Oh, now the Bucks should be favored against the Nets in some future playoff series. But, um, you know, you're supposed to, you know, the goal is to win games, right? So like, I, 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 I don't think you want to over index on these two games, but I think they're encouraging wins for a Bucks team that, you know, as we've said, like, let's be honest, they, they have, had problems playing at really high levels and ultimately closing out games against really good teams. You know, those, the Phoenix game probably is the, the one I keep thinking of most recently, but we they did that twice against Phoenix, seen it happen against the Nets in that first game between these teams. And so I think to hold on and, you know, really play a pretty steady game and get good contributions from your main guys, and, you know, ultimately hold up defensively in the end. I think um, those are all kind of positive things to build on and thought, you know, what they did again over the course of these two games defensively, they did enough. Uh, and even with Kyrie going for 38, you know, after the last game, everybody was like making the excuse of, Oh, he's, you know, fasting for Robin on. So he's not going to be good, but don't worry. He'll be good in the playoffs. Like, well, that was, that was really good Kyrie that you saw today. You know, like um, no one can say like, well, Kyrie's not going to be that bad every year. Well, Kyrie and KD gave you 70 in this game. So um, you can't complain about that. And, the Nets also shot, what did they shoot? Like 45% from three-point range. Um, you know, Bucks weren't bad, but I think the Bucks were outscored by 18 points on three-pointers today. So you can't look at this game and say, oh, the Bucks just, you know, had kind of a, a good variance game from the three-point line. You know, they had to overcome the Nets shooting the ball better than they did. And um, and ultimately they did. And I think in a lot of ways, those are, those are the kind of wins I, I like the most because it shows that you're doing things outside of just whether or not the ball is going in on three point shots for both teams. So, um, you know, in a weird way, even with Brooklyn shooting really well, I, I think that's 
in, in some ways encouraging just because, um, you know, they're not going to shoot 46% every night. And if you can beat them when they do, Hey, you know, that, that shows you're doing some other things, right? Yeah, just a couple of numbers, but to wrap this one up, you mentioned the three-point shooting. So the Bucks made up the difference by being uh, plus 14 in the paint, which doesn't surprise you. I mean, it wasn't as big a number as what we've seen, but 44 to 30, the Bucks outscored the Nets. But the significant number, and you already mentioned Dante DiVincenzo, second chance points, the Bucks outscored the Nets 20 to 9, and six offensive rebounds for DiVincenzo in this game. And I tweeted during the second quarter, and people have heard me say this all year, I think some of the criticism for him has been quite honestly, outrageous this year. We know he's inconsistent. Frank, I feel like me and you are pretty fair with uh, the criticism we have had and the stuff that you would like to see from him. But he had, this is overall, if you look at uh, in, in a number of categories, he's taken another step. It's only his third year. But tonight was a perfect example of why they like him in the starting group because he doesn't necessarily have to score to impact the game. And picking up those rebounds and flying around all over the place. Yes, he was missing his threes again. And I really, really hope that he can snap out of this funk that he's in from a shooting perspective as we move into the postseason. But you got a good idea tonight of, of why the deflections, the rebounds, all that sort of stuff can impact a game. And that 20 to 9 in second chance points is, is obviously really significant in a game that you only win by six points. And then, like you said, you get a nice contribution off the bench as well with Bryn Fors. But yeah, I, I just thought it was a, a really good performance in an unconventional way for Dante DiVincenzo and maybe that's the best way to describe Dante DiVincenzo as a player unconventional he does things a little bit differently Um, I'm sure people are going to be frustrated from time to time but you you take the good and and you take the bad and you hope that he can knock down a few more threes but he was he was immense I thought in in the second half I think it's I I did want to touch on this as well because I think there's been a fair bit of back and forth not just after you know the last game but just in general over in recent weeks um, about kind of this like Dante versus Bryn Forbes discussion. And, you know, I, I don't know how much people are, I don't know that there's like a strong, <laughs> like, I don't know if there's a, a lot of Bucks fans that actually like really want Bryn Forbes to start over Dante, or if it's more just people thinking that other people are raising the question. So it's just like a discussion, but um, I, you know, I, I don't, I don't really, I don't really, like the idea of Forbes starting because to me, the whole point of Forbes starting or sorry, the whole point of Forbes being in the game is you want to get him shots and guess what you guess what you don't have for the fifth guy on offense with the starting group. You don't have shots for those guys. Like I, I don't, I want Bryn Forbes in the game when, you know, you're missing like two of your, of your three stars and then, and then there's room for him to really like hunt shots I don't, I don't want him hunting shots. I don't want the team feeling like we got to run screen action for Bryn Forbes when Giannis, Chris, and Drew are all out there. I mean, I want those guys shooting with the starting group. And you've got Brooke there, who you know, is also a very accomplished guy offensively that you know, is, is more or less an afterthought. So you know, for me, I, I, I get the, the view of like, well, I want a guy who can shoot. So if there's an open, you know, like those guys create gravity and there's open looks and I want a, an open shooter. But realistically they're not it's not like it's not like that guy that that's like a huge role with that group i mean we saw it last year with west matthews like you just your usage is going to be puny if you're playing with that group generally and so it's important the other things that 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 guy can do you know defensively um but also offensively just moving the ball contributing in different ways so i you know i don't i i feel like we we treat it as a zero-sum game where you know like (laughs) 
it's like it's like you have to pick one. It's like mm-hmm. it's fine. Bryn Forbes can play reasonable numbers of minutes coming off the bench. You can try to extend him a little bit if he's having a really good night. Um, you know, I think again tonight I thought you also saw just you know he's really limited defense. Yeah, and every every time he's out there. You know, not just the the offensive part, but obviously, I mean, the, the real concern is the defensive part. I mean, you know, he's going to come out there with the target on his back in a way that that Dante won't in the same to the same degree. Um, again, not that you know Dante is like Drew Holiday defensively or something like that. Like he's obviously not, but um, but I think he's just far more. I mean, he's just more athletic. He's a little bit bigger, um, more competitive defensively than than Bryn is, and you know, it's not because Bryn Forbes like doesn't try, but. Um, but I just think it's a lot easier to play him with the second unit. And um, you need somebody to score with that group because, you know, look at the box score. Like, nobody else has been doing it lately. And, um, you know, I think last year, I mean, Dante was very good in that role in part because I think it did give him a little more freedom to to be offensive without the starters. I mean, I think there is a question of whether, you know, maybe Dante would be better off as a six-man just for himself. But I think for this team, kind of what he can contribute um, – you know, I think you stick with him with the starters. I, I mean, I, th- I don't think either of us thinks Bud is is on the verge of making any change there. You know, it's not really how how Bud rolls. Um, you know, he doesn't sort of bench guys at the first sign of 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 issues. Um, so I, I don't think it's a realistic thing that's going to happen. Um, and you know, Bryn Forbes is a spot in this rotation until until proven otherwise. So. Um, you know, I think we can be happy for both guys, right? Especially on a night like tonight where they each contributed in their own way. So, um, so yeah, I, I don't, I don't, it doesn't mean that you think Dante is great to say that he can, should continue starting, but I think it, I think it makes sense in the context of, of this team to continue to, to show that trust in him and, you know, continue to try to build that continuity that you've had all year. And I, I think as well, like I was looking at some of the lineup data like Giannis and, and Forbes last time I checked, they actually had a negative differential when they were on the court together. Isn't that kind of wild? Like you think Giannis is, has generally like been pretty good at, you know, running those sort of actions with Bryn to get him shots, but I'm pretty sure the Bucks have been outscored with Giannis and Bryn together for the season. I think if I was looking at it earlier, I think like of the top 16 Bucks lineup combinations, I think there's only one that has a negative, negative differential. And I think it's basically the starters with Bryn Forbes. So, you know, it's not a huge sample or anything like that. So I'm not going to sit here and treat it like it's gospel. But, um, you know, that kind of aligns with, let's just say this, I'm not shocked. Just given that with that group, he's not going to be have, have as much of a chance to really do what he does best. And it's obviously going to, he's going to be hunted defensively in ways that he might not if going into reserve unit. So anyway, that's the end of my Bryn Forbes Dante soliloquy but i'm glad we can at least have it on a night when they both uh, were able to contribute no well said well said yes uh, i think for what the bucks need from that fifth starter uh dante for the most part does the little things that he's asked to do and that's probably why he's stuck in there and as you pointed to tonight when you look at the box score 29 minutes for dante and 26 for brent so i mean ultimately you're going to see a pretty even split there it's not like bud could ever be accused of playing dante huge minutes or too many minutes he's generally in that 20 minute mark so the Bucks now 1.5 games behind Brooklyn I know we've done this over and over and every time I've said the Bucks are stuck in third and they most likely are they've only got seven games to go in the regular season but you did see tonight uh, having a home game would be nice so who knows if the Nets and Bucks 
uh, come together in the second round. Uh, maybe there's a chance the Bucks can get uh, that one and a half games back, remembering they have the tiebreaker now. But we'll just keep an eye on that. They play the Wizards tonight, so not much time to recover. Is that, is that a trap game or what? Wizards have been playing really well. Uh, they've given the Bucks some 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 sweaty moments at least in that 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 series in Washington. I don't know this. Just given what we've seen from this Bucks team, I mean, we're all thinking it. This this would be the ultimate: lose by eleven points, miss a billion three pointers, and you know, Beal and Westbrook are just way too good type type of night, wouldn't it? That would be the ultimate letdown game, and it would just be so predictable if it happened. But I'll I'll I'll, I'll hope for the best. I think they've actually won 13 of 16 games. Like they are legit, uh, genuinely playing good basketball at the moment, the Wizards. And uh, I think given all the things you just outlined, Scotty Skiles is having a, a sleepless night tonight because he feels like his assist record could be in serious jeopardy at Fiserv Forum uh, tonight against the Bucks. So we'll see. He's been putting up some ridiculous numbers. Yeah, one, th- one thing with this game, I mean, I, I made the comment on Twitter the other day, like, you know, PJ and Giannis coming into tonight had only played 120 non-garbage time possessions together, right? PJ's only played now 14 games. I mean, he's really barely been with the team. And because he's coming off the bench and he's essentially Giannis's backup, obviously they don't, they don't play together very much. And you don't have that many end-of-game opportunities. So I think, I think Drew, Chris, uh, Giannis, PJ had played, that foursome had played 50 minutes. Five zero, or sorry, sorry, fifty possessions together, and Chris and Peter and uh, Giannis and PJ had played one hundred and twenty possessions together. So very small samples. Um, they've done well in those in those minutes. They're both both of those subsets are, are plus sixteen net ratings, but again, very small sample. Um, so I mean, I that that's when I view even these games that like don't feel like oh these are like playoff you know playoff preview type matchups. I mean, I'm curious. I mean, I don't think the Wizards are going to be playing like Alex Lennon, Robin Lopez down the stretch. Do you, I mean, I could see, I, I could very much see them going small at various points. And so I, I view these games in part as like, Hey, these are great chances to, to try to get those lineups, some more reps, go small switch. Um, and, and just try to build up the rapport that your players have, because they really have not had much of a chance to do that. So, and, and I mean, we saw it too, like Westbrook in particular, you know, God bless Dante and his and his effort defensively, but kid's not strong enough for Russell Westbrook. Um, so having uh, having you know some switchable options uh, in your lineup and and being able to to use those, I think that could just be useful against uh, against a team like the Wizards. But either way, um, you know, obviously you want to come away with the win um, first and foremost. But hopefully, uh, another chance to um, you know try to play in ways that are helpful as you prepare for the playoffs as well. All right. We'll wrap this up, but you did make me curious, Frank. So I quickly looked it up. Two-man lineups for the Bucks that have played more than 500 minutes together. Giannis and Forbes, 24th out of 25th for net rating with 3.7. The only worst two-man lineup is Chris Milton and Bobby Portis at plus 2.9. But Forbes is featured in three of the five uh, worst two-man combinations for the Bucks with at least 500 minutes. Forbes and Middleton, Forbes and DiVincenzo, and then obviously Forbes and Giannis there as well. So, uh, yeah, you, you, were, you were pretty much in the ballpark there. You've got a pretty good memory, Frank. But like I said, uh, 7 p.m., Bucks and Wizards, uh, really a, a tough back-to-back. We know they've got a few of those still to come on the road home as well. So we'll be back after that game. Frank, I always like to give you credit. It's 10 past 2 in the morning. Uh, go get some sleep. 
and uh, we will catch all you guys again tomorrow.